The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals participating in the show. All persons described or mentioned in the podcast should be considered innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. This podcast contains subject matters such as violence and graphic descriptions along with adult language, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. On July 16th, 2016, in Warsaw, Poland, a known conspiracy theorist, after warning his mother that something may happen to him, vomits a black substance and later passes away. Was it what the official cause of death states, or was it part of a bigger conspiracy? You're listening to the Mysterious Bruce Podcast, and tonight we bring you the case of Max Spears. Spears was a conspiracy theorist. He died in July 2016 on a sofa in Poland, 1,000 miles from his home in Canterbury. He was 39. Seven months on, and how he died remains a mystery. You don't just lie on a sofa and die. Something happens. Nie mogliśmy między innymi przeprowadzić kluczowych tego typu przypadkach sekcji zwłok. Stories keep growing amongst conspiracy theorists about the role of satanic cults or aliens and that Max knew more than he should have. When I met him in, in Canterbury, we were being tracked by at least four pairs of agents. Whispers about a death involving black vomit and strange rituals have catapulted this previously little-known conspiracy theorist into the spotlight. I have been under psychic attack... Welcome to a deep, dark, dank, moist basement somewhere in the bowels of Georgia. And it is very moist tonight because the devil's ass crack himself is laying across the great state of Georgia for the last 10 straight days because the heat index has been, I think, the lowest I've seen it up until today was i think 106 yeah it's just too damn hot man like i haven't done anything during the day in a long time like it's either the morning or it's right in the evening like i'm not doing anything until it's at least 6 p.m to 7 p.m i don't want to go to the grocery store i don't even want i don't want to leave the house at all now unfortunately it's we just had, too much man we had to go look for cars um, Saturday. And so we pulled up to the lot and I knew what was going to happen. And I told my wife, I said, as soon as he gets here, I'm going to tell him, let's take this inside. I'm not standing on this freshly paved black asphalt for you to tell me how much I need this vehicle. You can do that in the air conditioning <laughs> and offer me a free water. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, it, it, it's been ridiculous. The good news is my son's got a little landscaping business, and so we we get up early on a Saturday and knock out his requirements, and then we're done by lunch. And then yesterday, I waited, like you said, I waited till 6 o'clock to even mow my lawn, and I was, man, I bet I lost four pounds of water weight. <laughs> That's just too hot, man. That reminded me of something about 
my mom, when she was alive, God rest her soul, she would buy a brand new car every two years. Every two years. That's that generation, though. She did my not parents, care. My parents had to have a new vehicle. My in-laws have to have a new vehicle. But go ahead. Sorry. Well, no. And just the thing was, is she was, she's like I said, that generation, she was loyal to the people she bought a car from. She's like, well, we got to buy from them. They've been good to our family. They've been good to our family. And she'd seek out the same salesman. So every two years, this salesman got him a sale. As soon as she walked on the lot, he knew she's buying a car. If she didn't get it every two years, she got it every other year. I mean, every year. Either every year or every other year. And what she did was, is she, the last time she bought from them, she was like, well, are you going to fill the tank up? And he's like, oh, we don't do that anymore. And she didn't buy another car from them. That was 20 years ago. I swear, she was so mad that, I mean, by God, I'm buying a brand new, whatever year it was, car. If it's 2012, I'm buying a 2012 today. And you're not going to fill the tank up? Mm -mm. She switched from Ford to Nissan that day, I swear, till the day she died. I hear you, She did not buy another Ford. Like, my sister got a Ford, I got a Ford, she got a Ford, everybody got a Ford Ford. And one time, oh, you ain't going to fill up my tank for me? We're done. Dang. <laughs> Dang. Just goes, just goes to show you, man. Well, I will say this. We have realized that when you have full coverage on a vehicle or whatever it is where they tell you they'll pay for a rental, yeah, that's a crock of shit. They, they, they gave Enterprise $30 a day. That might cover the taxes. Yeah, well, Enterprise charging what? I think they're charging like $55 a day, I think. Something like that. Yeah, so. That ain't right. And they're making money hand over fist. You can come off the hip a little bit. But anyway, this isn't, sure this isn't the Car Brews podcast <laughs> or I Hate Insurance <laughs> Company's podcast. But it could be. Oh, we, could have a, we could have a whole series on that. Like episode one, progressive. <laughs> episode two, all state. <laughs> Yes. Episode four, The General. (laughs) Damn it, Shaq. Well, uh, since it has been a few minutes since we were together, I have a couple of things from our previous episode, the Andrew Gosden. I did do the poll, like I said I would, on Patreon, and we had lots of people vote, and most all of them think that he was either groomed or trafficked. Uh, Miss Walker stated that I feel like he ran away maybe to prove to self or others that he's not the good kid that always gets the grades, does all the right things, never worries others. I do think the 14-year-old, quote, kid forgot the charger and, yes, the other 100 pounds during all his prep to leave, or he was thinking of potentially returning, so leaving money behind would be smart. I bet he was very nervous about leaving, but still determined the refusal to get the upgrade to return trip could be because he wasn't sure if he was going back, or perhaps he figured his parents would come find him. Maybe he felt unloved and running away was a test to see if the parents cared enough to find him. Now he's 14, alone on the streets of London, perfect prey for the predators. I think that was his ultimate fate. The best, well, I'm not saying the best. I take that back. Miss Walker, that was a very great theory because we, when we did the uh, 
the episode, we felt like there was a grooming, but we just couldn't figure out how it was. Uh, Mr. Gomez rings the bell and turns the light on and says that he felt like he was groomed because he was a gamer. And he says, I know they looked into his online stuff, but they wouldn't have been able to see the conversations that happened during in a game. And it's just the banter back and forth like world of Warcraft. That's a good, that's a good point. They don't save those. Those aren't archived. If you're playing online, right? He says you can yeah, have private messages true. that are saved and some that aren't, but the conversations themselves are never saved. So maybe he's meeting someone he's gaming with. They got close. They planned for him to meet for that day. He took the 200 for the trip, but left the 100 because he wanted to save it, or he just flat out forgot it, left the charger because he planned on coming home, and the groomer could have told him, oh, don't worry about it. I'll give you a ride home. I'd have to give this theory more thought, but off the top of my head, these are my thoughts. And I think Mr. Gomez hit it out of the park because I, you know, during the episode, we felt like it just made sense that someone kind of got to him, but we couldn't figure out how that would have happened. And he, man, he opens the door and kicks us right through it. So I, I feel like that's probably the, the best theory I've heard in it out of all the things that we researched. So. We do That's have a good point. Yes. See, I love our fans, man. Cause they, That's a great point. Actually. It is. Cause when he, when I first read it, I was in Athens and I was like sitting in the middle of this meeting. I was supposed to be quiet and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> 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 so we did have a new patron. Um, there's been something happen with our, well, not ours, but there's something going on with Patreon and the billing cycle. And it's not the thing that I put out a long time ago about the same time or something like that. None of that. But anyway, I've had a couple of messages about, Hey, it, my payment didn't go through or something like that. Y'all have to contract uh Patreon. That's not on our end. So if you were listening to this and you're a patron and you didn't see your money come out, check and make sure. And if you did, or you your money didn't come out, please let us know why you, you felt like that's ah, good enough, but we do have a new one. And that is Mr. Bad Bill. He's at the nice. big old three dollar tier. So Mr. Bad Bill, and there's a cup that our thousandth follower on Facebook. I'm gonna take care of her. It's just been a shit show the last two weeks. So, but anyway, so what happens when you get new management and they want to change? They want to re rewrite the book because they got all the answers. Yeah, and then throw in that, you know, just life. Life just punched me right in the throat. So, but anyway, I think Man. you do have some, uh, I, I think you got a plethora throwing back for Miss Kim, you know, Mama Kimsey there, a plethora of five star <laughs> reviews. I just got two, but we'll take them. We'll take them from, uh, Cheeto Chester said the top five underrated podcast, five stars. Found this podcast while looking for information on the Cynthia Anderson case, and I was intrigued by it. Since then, I've been listening to each of your guys' episodes over the past week. It's tough to get me to laugh, especially at a podcast, but these guys are hilarious. I can't stress, I can't stress that enough. I'm from the cold region in PA, and we got an accent up here, but these guys' southern accents just make you want to crack a beer and sit outside and watch a thunderstorm while listening to the pod. If I can recommend one case to go over, it'd be the famous Jimmy Hoffa case disappearance slash murder well i agree that's a good one but again we don't want to go get involved with the mafia Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. (laughs) we're not keen on it 
<laughs> now I'll go Man. on somebody else's podcast with another fake name and talk about them. But yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Man, it sounds it sounds some... like that Arlo guy on that other podcast. Nope, wasn't me. Nope, nope, nope. Weren't me. I've never been. I don't even know what a podcast is. Cue up Shaggy. <laughs> wasn't me. <laughs> and also we got an Abigail Marie. She said, feels like my homeboys, five stars. I feel like sitting around listening to goofy guys, guy friends chatter and be silly while telling really interesting stories. Once the episode topic gets rolling, they don't get too far off on a long rabbit trail. But come on, everyone loves a little bit of a tangent when hanging with friends. Great job, guys. Keep it up. And pro tip, if you need their southern draw to quicken, just bump the speed up to 1.25. It's perfect. And I took offense to that. I'm like, I don't speak Southern. I mean, I know some people around here yeah. that you couldn't understand. So I, as a, me being a little pissy piss I was, I was like, screw that. I'm going to see if it works. Yeah, it works. <laughs> it does. I did it too. And he was like, man, you got to try it. And so I did. And I was like, huh, we actually sound like we're not from the gutter. <laughs> we sound normal. Yeah. <laughs> so I, got, I was like, I got even madder. I was like, damn it for being right. <laughs> <laughs> well, ain't fair. Our one thousandth follower on Facebook was Miss Heather Engel, and yes, we're gonna take care wow. of her. And um, how do you mean take care of her? Like, no, like stickers and a keychain. Don't start nothing. Oh, okay. You got to be more specific when you're on a murder podcast. That is true. <laughs> um, did she? She recommended us on uh, her page. And do you have that? Uh, no, because you didn't prompt me to get that, but I could find it. Well, I got it if you want me to read it. Yeah, you go ahead, man. Okay. I didn't have it. Okay, so she recommended us and said, these guys have the cutest accent, see? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Their stories are always really interesting and mysterious. Once I started listening, I forgot about every other podcast I had saved and binged this one. Keep the great stories going, guys, and Pour a cold one out for me. We won't pour one out for you, but we'll drink one for you. We, there is no spilt beer here. No, that's, that's unforgivable. Sacrilege. In our world. Yes. Unforgivable. Sacrilege. But that's all of the, and that's two weeks worth. You know, we're again, uh, we re-released our first ever episode, and boy, have we come a long way. You'll um, love that topic, though, man. It's it's probably still oh yeah, one hundred percent my top ten topics of all time. Yes, yeah, a hundred percent, and uh, it's insane. And that one will never, ever, ever be solved because no. there's no one to solve it. Unfortunately, I believe you are correct. Uh, and then this Gary Mathias somehow comes out of the woods and tells everybody what happened. I don't. But it's been that. what forty years, yes, or more. I think it's right past 40, but we can't, you know, I, I tried to say it in the episode re-release. We, we, I'm just humble. 1978. So, yeah. 45 years, five months and four days. He's been missing. Look at you pulling up the old Google. Real he fast. was, he was 25 when he went missing. So by my calculations, he'd be 70. So, if you've been living off the grid that long, please come out and tell us what happened, because I'm, <laughs> I'm damn dumbfounded. Oh, yes. 
But anyway, when we started this five years ago, we never thought we would see a thousand downloads, much less two hundred thousand downloads, and we are. It's pretty. So what's more amazing than that is the fact that we've put up with each other for this long. Well, <laughs> see, I don't know. I mean, I tell everybody when they're like, how did y'all become friends? I said, well, I said, to be honest with you, the only reason we're friends is because of the stuff we talk about on the podcast. I said, you couldn't pick two people that grew up an hour apart that have nothing in common except goofy shit like this. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. <laughs> but anyway, um, I will say Miss Bucholtz and her husband, Mr. Bucholtz, uh, the little stickers they have that have the barcodes, those may have been pasted all over wherever I was at. So we might see a bump. But I still ain't got mine. I know. I got to get it to you. But hell, I, I'm in mourning having to go back to work. But anyway, well, Lumi Joe, our friend of the podcast, Lumi Joe's got us two fifths of whiskey heading our way. Sweet Jesus, heading my way. I don't know if it'll make it to you or not, but maybe <laughs> you might trade it for some stickers and some beer that I owe you. Yeah, he said. He said, "Well, I had to crack one open and try it. I hope y'all don't mind." I was like, "We don't mind. I'll give it to Arlo." <laughs> <laughs> I'll try Arlo's, and if it's real, real good, I'll just give Arlo the one we both sampled. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, all right, so that's enough of the business. Let's get after this. Uh, we are talking about one Max Spears. and If you believe him, he saw this coming. Yes, sir. He, he knew people it. were after him. It is a very odd case that you can get lost in, and so... From the get-go, I just want to tell everybody, kind of like we tried to in the Missing Mara Murray episode, this could be like a three or four part, and I mean, we could go way down the rabbit hole and strap on our tinfoil hats. We're going to hit the high points of some of the things that he was involved with. We're not going to touch on all of them, but we are going to give you enough to let you know that this young man, I don't believe, died of natural causes. Doesn't seem like it. No, sir. So we now, I don't know if I believe the the quote unquote official cause of death. I don't I don't believe it, but we'll see. I don't know. We'll yeah, I'm you might have found something to change mind. So Maxwell Bates Spears was born on December twenty second, nineteen seventy six, in Canterbury, Kent, England, to Vanessa Bates and Jonathan Spears. Now, Jonathan was a linguistics professor who taught at Queen Mary University in London. It was stated that Max was named after the Beatles song Maxwell's Silver Hammer from their Abbey Road album. Now, oh, he, nice. he had a younger brother named Josh and a younger sister named Becky. And if I remember correctly from because this is another oddity about this case, you couldn't find his obituary anywhere that listed who he was survived by or any of that stuff. But if different articles had bits and pieces, I think his younger brother, Josh had some uh, mental disabilities and the sister was a, I think they came basically stair stepped. So Max was the oldest a year later came sister Becky and a year later came younger brother, Josh, but I'm not a hundred percent. 
Now, Vanessa would, his mother, Vanessa, would remarry to a man named Colin Bates when Max was five. Now, according to Max, he had a normal childhood up until that age of five when he reports that he saw lights outside his bedroom window. Now, this would begin a life of abduction, and according to Max, this is the last memory of his childhood that he had. Max would marry Nicola, and they didn't give her maiden name. They just said he married Nicola Spears, and I'm like, well, no, that's not really how that works. But anyway. Not typically. (laughs) Maybe she was no relation. Maybe, but anyway, they... Think he met her. The family had moved, so when Vanessa marries Colin, sometime they move to America into California. There's where Max meets Nicola. They get married, and they had a son together named Jack. Now Max stated that during his mid thirties, his memory began to be restored, or it started to flood back. Now he would claim hmm. that when he was five. He was taken and trained to serve as a super soldier on other planets and dimensions to fight Nazis and Zionists who were working in alignment after a war that stretched as far back as 50,000 years. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yes, I said all of that before you could even interrupt me. And yes, that's what I said. (laughs) So Nazis and Zionists are on the same side? From what I gathered. And I, Do you I'm know sure, who Zionists are? Yes, but I'm trying to make sure that we don't chase this whole because this is there's probably I could do seven or eight pages of notes on just that whole aspect. But he says, okay, if you know who Zionists are, you probably know that they probably would not align with Nazis. I'm, that's all I'll say. Right, and so I don't understand, and that's where I got lost in the research and i was i finally was like i can't cover this and then because we'll just we'll lose sight of max's story instead of nazis and zionists so we'll stick to max yes not his beliefs but what happened to max okay yeah i'm with you now okay now he also stated that he was a victim of several satanic ritualistic abuse gatherings and you can read into that what you want i'm not going any further because i'm all we this is not a child missing case And so I don't want to even think about that stuff. Now, Max would go on to claim that there were, quote, commands that lay dormant waiting on a trigger word. And these trigger words would cause him to carry out a predetermined action that he would completely not remember. So they had perfected the Manchurian candidate stuff. Now, Max would say that he was constantly being followed by, quote, agent-like figures And it has been theorized that these agents, air quotes, were Max's handlers who had the ability and the knowledge to trigger him when ordered to do so. Now, he was part of something called Project Mannequin. And when this is going to take a second, (laughs) so buckle up, buttercup. Like, go ahead and fill you you drink cup up and... uh, (laughs) If you've got any holes in your tinfoil hat, I'm going to need you to patch them up because we don't need anybody reading the brainwaves. And this is the cliff note version of Project Mannequin. It's just enough to give you the deets. So Max claimed that he was part of Project Mannequin. Now, Project Mannequin was the UK's version of the Nazi project Uberman. And as many people know, the Nazis were heavily into the occult 
And Hitler was trying to create his Uberman, which is German for Superman. This is Ubermensch. A, I'm sorry, I did not enunciate precisely. <laughs> this is a genetically enhanced soldier with heightened senses, intelligence, strength, and paran- paranormal abilities such as telepathy. So think Jason Bourne that has telepathic things. That's what they're trying to make. Now, according to Max and another man named James Casbolt, who has also come forward, Project Mannequin was a mind control and genetic manipulation program run by the U.S.'s National Security Agency. The project was started in 1972 and allegedly was still running in as late as 2008 from a six-level underground facility beneath the town of Peasmore in Berkshire, England. That's a lot. Yes. Yes, it is. Yes. So we've got hints of like Dulce base without the aliens so far. We've got mind control. We've got you name it. But anyway, now this base in Peasmore is referred to as AL slash 499 base. And it lies approximately 200 feet below the town of Peasmore. There are entrances to the base at Greenham, commonly known as Bravo Entrance, which is now sealed off. Watchfield Military... Military... Military. Mil- One of my military bases right there. Watchfield <laughs> Military Science College, which is the Delta Entrance, and Harwell Laboratories in Oxfordshire. There are also entrances to the base in Lambourne and Wellbourne, I'm sorry, Welford in Berkshire. The underground base at Lambourne is the, quote, Area 51 of the UK with many exotic anti-gravity aircraft stored there. The project involved the kidnapping of targeted civilians and also certain intelligence and military people. Some of the intelligence and military personnel have volunteered for Project Mannequin, but many have not. Again, Jason Bourne-esque. Now, almost all of the civilian, quote, guinea pigs have not volunteered and have been used against their wills. Many of the civilians used have been young children. The reason is to create programmed, quote, sleeper agents using sophisticated electronic hardware-based hypnosis. And they go on, like, Max and the guy, James Casbolt, go as far as to, like, detail... What they use these, that electronic hardware, basically they say that it looks like a cochlear implant, one of the older ones that kind of is on the side of the head. It's kind of bulky is what they reference when they talk about this programming stuff. Now, these individuals are programmed by the NSA to carry out future tasks set by the NSA and become basically hit men as adults. Sleepers are people who carry out a huge variety of pre-programmed tasks with sometimes little awareness of the medical procedures in Project Mannequin because of advanced memory erasure techniques. And that's a mouthful, but trying to explain that is they get these and they it's almost like Men in Black. Look right here. And then they put all this stuff in and then... You're none the wiser. So, again, I told you to strap on that tinfoil hat. 
So if you didn't fill your drink up, hit pause, go get you a shot, and let's go. <laughs> let's keep going. Now, a large part of Project Ma- Mannequin focuses on creating espionage agents and assassins who have undergone genetic enhancements. Project Mannequin is actually a type of, quote, school Max stated that he grew up in. Now, according to Max and James Casbolt, quote, everything in Project Mannequin is organized by the Jewish Kabbalah occult system using such esoteric methods as numerology and archaeometry, advanced remote viewing. Even the name James Casbolt means valiant decorated warrior of death and destruction in Kabbalah numerology. You can check this yourself on the Kabbalah calculator available on the interwebs. Actually, he said the internet, end quote. So, I'm telling you, we're getting way in the weeds on this. Um, at the Alpha entrance, which is at the Harwell Laboratories that I went over at that military base, there is a security area in one of the buildings. This security area, A, is guarded by two security officers who are both armed. At this area is an elevator that descends 200 feet to security area B. The elevator has two sections, one for personnel and one for guinea pigs and one for vehicles. The second security area is large and has four and sometimes five officers that are fully armed. Now, Area B has two highly secure blast doors that will seal off a tunnel to the base AL-499 in the event of an emergency. Security Area B has two vehicles in operation that travel back and forth from the Harwell to the Peasmore entrance. The security officers escort all guinea pigs to and from and around the base. The medical subjects are drugged when they enter the facility. Now, intelligence-run mind control operations are usually a multi-generational thing with each generation more easily programmed as the genetic memory of the horrific medical procedures become more ingrained into the family's genetic makeup. And both um, Max and... James Casbolt state that they came from a long line of people. Basically their father was in it, that his, their, you know, their father's father and so on and so on. But if it started in 78, it would probably only go one generation, but I'm not, we're not throwing stones at the glass house just yet. Now in <laughs> the 1950s, a genetic bloodline study was started by the NSA based at Harwell laboratories to find suitable candidates especially children, to be used in Project Mannequin. From this study, the project was started in 1972. However, Max states that his family may have been targeted for mind control before the 1950s. He doesn't go into a lot of details. Now, I have not watched his interviews on YouTube. There's most of them. I think there's either three or four parts. They call it his last interview, and he's sitting in a chair kind of at an angle, but I have not watched all of them he may go into more details about how and why his family was targeted. But the NSA is very interested in creating genetically enhanced assassins and espionage agents who have certain inborn genetic traits, such as psi slash psychic abilities, 
These genetic enhancement methods are a continuation of the Nazi geneticists and mind control doctors from World War II. And yes, Max and James both state that individuals of Celtic blue bloodlines that have an RH negative blood factor are the ones they are looking for because RH negative blood is a very rare blood type and makes up about 5% of the population. RH negative means that the oxygen is processed in the blood differently to people with RH positive blood. The amount of oxygen processed by the body makes all the difference in unusual abilities. And this is evident in arts like Tai Chi, yoga, martial arts. There are also deeper issues which connect to the so-called Nephilim of the Bible. I'm telling y'all, we're, I'm trying to stay... <laughs> Trying to stay above ground on this one. I mean, we could chase rabbits all day long. Now, as Max and James began to move, or I'm sorry, to have some of their memories start coming back, they were allegedly helped by renegade factions in the British intelligence and the NSA who wanted to see Project Mannequin shut down. And they go into detail about how it's the whole white hats versus the black hats and they have to be nice to each other at the boardroom, but they're trying to wake all these people up. And James go, actually goes into much greater detail about who specifically helped him recover all of his memories. So, again, it's, it's some crazy stuff. It's a little bit deeper dive than you anticipated, huh? Yeah, when I started, I was like, mm. You turned down a case because it was too too deep. Well, that one, it's not so much that case is so deep. It's that there's just, there's no information. It's all hearsay. And so it's hard to, I don't want to put, I don't want to say Jimmy John was over there at that party doing meth and he stabbed some kid in the neck if he didn't do it. Yeah, no doubt. No but doubt. Jimmy John does make a good sandwich, though. I mean, even if he is on meth. Oh, I disagree. I can't stand Jimmy John's. Fuck that place. The bread is nope. tough as shit. <laughs> I went there one time, and it was in your town. As a matter of fact, I was like, hey, I just want light mayonnaise. And I think that kid decided to put a whole tub of mayonnaise on that sandwich. It sounds like I said, damn, man. Like, I said just not only s- was it disgusting, I ruined like my shorts and my shirt. Because it's just like... <laughs> You can't put a pound of mayonnaise on a sandwich. You just can't. No, you really can't because it just spooges everywhere. <laughs> All right. So that uh, you'll be happy to know that that place shut down not very long after you were probably there. But because it's just not good. It's not it's no Jersey Mike's. I'll tell you that. I love Jersey Mike's. There's Jersey Mike's within walking distance of my house. It is delicious. Here we are on anyway. food podcast. Yeah, join us on our sandwich podcast. (laughs) Now, brainwave (laughs) control is a large part of Project Mannequin, and people breaking free of it need to be able to control their own brainwaves. These self-mastery methods are similar to very advanced meditation, but using machines and advanced physics created by Ph.D. biophysicists. When Max and James were both around the age of 31, they began to have some memories. According to both of them, it is around this age that the neural pathways in the brain that hold back memories of mind control procedures often begin to open up and the victims begin to remember in detail what happened to them in the facilities where these procedures occurred. Often, a sleeper is killed before their 30th birthday because of this. 
This is known in intelligence circles as, quote, being thrown from the Freedom Train, end quote. Freedom Train supposedly is a code that is referencing the vast number of civilian victims who are being used in the many mind control projects in the UK and abroad. Now, specific programs that hold instructions for tasks and even enhanced abilities are installed into Project Mannequin victims' memories. In the project, you are taught things like how to access psi telepathy abilities and how to, quote, tag a room, tag a person, tag a vehicle, da-da-da-da-da-da, advanced combat, crowd control, psychological warfare, torture, interrogation, the list goes on and on. Now, this information is stored in compartments in the sleeper's mind that only the handlers of the project have access to and could bring forth using hypnotic triggers. The sleepers have hypnotic commands that have been installed into them called Wernick commands, W-E-R-N-I-C-K. These are given to the sleeper in a drug and electroshock state when they are hypnotized in the, pro- in the project. Some of these Wernick commands are, quote, this is not happening. Never talk about this or people will think you are crazy. If you talk about this, people will hate you. This is all a dream. This is a movie. You start to remember you have a panic attack. If you start to remember, you will die, end quote. Now, mind control is just that, total mind control of an individual so they can be triggered into doing anything the handlers instruct. These programs can be activated using hypnotic triggers such as keywords and phrases and patterns with certain and long radio waves that activate tiny microchips injected into the body. And this goes into, and this is where I had to stop and just back out, take a break, because then this goes into, is it really alien implants that that doctor, I can't ever think of his name, he was a podiatrist, and he would remove those little foreign objects and a lot of people said it was giving off radio waves. And so that there's a whole tangent on that, too. So just dive on down that rabbit hole if you want to. Now, as long as the hypnotic trigger is in the right sequence, the sleeper can be activated. Sleeper agents can be activated for tasks over the phone as well. An example to James is... He referenced it in an article, and he said, all right, so there's a couple of steps. So the first step would be base security computer finds individual's phone number and dials it. Second thing is they assume the individual answers the phone and says hello. The base computer then checks a voice print, and if it's matched, the computer proceeds. The next step is the electrical code signal is sent down the phone line to activate the microchip inside the individual's body. Once this happens, the person is, quote, hypnotized and in a trance. A code is then relayed over the phone. This is an example of a real mannequin code, Lima 1172 Bravo Mike XXXX. Dude, you might trigger somebody. You can't be saying that code that loud. Well, the X is is, is where I didn't. I didn't trigger. Oh, okay. I, that's okay. The, that's the other. Yeah. So you, it was close, but I, I, I stopped just in the nick of time. I hope so. Good Lord. (laughs) The next step, they said, is the individual awaits further code and instructions. A second electrical signal is sent down the phone line, followed by the remaining code. The puppets are mobile, and it is we who pull the strings or the dog flies without an umbrella. You know, 
secret squirrel shit. The next step is the individual is now fully primed and ready to receive either another message or to send data from a previous task. Now, this is if the person they're trying to get in touch with actually answers the phone. If someone else answers the phone and the base security pro computer does not recognize the voice print of that person, the call is terminated. At many points in the project, both Max and James endured intense and horrific torture known as, quote, pain pleasure reversals. This played a large part in the mind control and memory erasure procedures. Now, Max's claims would go as far to state that he had also been part of not only Project Mannequin, but Project Montauk. Those of you who are not familiar with Project Montauk, please do a Google and feast your eyes upon that shit show. And there's a couple of documentaries out there. And it could be a future episode. But maybe not. Now, let's get into the nuts and bolts of it. So this is why we actually chose the case. I wanted to give you all that other stuff because that's what most of his interviews deal with is all of that project mannequin stuff that, and the war between the Nazis and the Zionists. So the incident that we're really honing in here is on July 16th of 2016, Max was staying with his friend Monica Duval in Warsaw, Poland, where he was scheduled to give a talk about all of his experiences that go much deeper than what I just told you. Now, prior to that speaking engagement, Max texted his mom, Vanessa, and said, quote, your boy's in trouble. If anything happens to me, investigate, end quote. Now, Max also conducted a radio interview prior to July 16th in Poland. The interview was weird in many ways as the people in the room would have to remind Max during the interview to breathe. Yes, I said that right. They had to remind the boy to breathe. He might have been nervous. They actually stopped the whole thing twice. Now, Max would tell them that he believed he was being psychologically attacked by someone. The guy interviewing him asked Max several times, quote, if something is going on with you, are you okay? Seems like you might be being attacked again. Are you okay? And this goes on, they said, throughout the whole radio interview. Now, there are some theories that he was slowly poisoned, and that would explain his reaction during the radio interview. This theory further suggests that someone that would want to harm him that he thought was a friend of his or was someone who was close to him. But it seemed like Max was really drunk and was about to pass out, but was forced to do the interview maybe because he had scheduled it or someone scheduled it for him or he did not want to go to sleep. It appeared that Max was sick, intoxicated, or possibly both. Now, it looked like he was on something from what I saw. I mean, I would, I mean, maybe he was poisoned, whatever, but he looked like he was under the influence of something, whether he took it or not. That's a different story, but. And that's one of the main theories out there is that he was very gullible when it came to this Monica Duvall. I'm not saying that she had a hand in it, but she does some weird shit that makes you go, "Mm, you 
might be you might be doing something wrong. Now, according to Monica, Max began to vomit a black fluid while sitting on her couch. Now, it is worth noting that Monica was the only other person present in the house when this occurred. Translated emails between Monica, a second woman known only as Madeline, and a quantum therapist, Mr. Kristoff, revealed that the two women were aware of Max's deteriorating condition. In the emails, Madeline states to Kristoff that Max suffers from personality disorder and paranoid schizophrenia. What's more, they appeared to arrange medical intervention of some kind for him in the hours before his death. Kristoff initially agreed to help Max and went on to recommend he take supplements of niacin before their meeting. To the best of anyone's knowledge, the meeting never took place. So, like I stated, all of that stuff, the interview, him throwing up black fluid, all that goes down on the same day, July 16th. And unfortunately, he would pass away after suffering an extremely high fever for 24 hours. In the hours... Go ahead. I was going to say, well, see, the thing, I don't think... I don't know much about heroin, but I don't think it makes you vomit black substances. It might. But I don't think it gives you a high fever. No, this, if it was drug induced, this sounds like he was coming. If he had a high fever for like 24 hours, it's almost like he's like detoxing. Yeah. I mean, that's true. He may have the shakes and he may have had temperature changes, but I don't know about a fever, though. Uh, you're right. I'm, I don't know. In the hours before he died, one doctor who attended the property recorded that Max vomited dark brown fluid. Now, his body returned to the United Kingdom six days after he passed on the 16th, and according to his mother, Vanessa, it had deteriorated so much that the authorities recommended they, the family, not view the body. One family member who did view the body, and I think it was his sister, later stated that Spears' face was so decomposed it was barely recognizable. Yes. Pretty, pretty crazy. Yes, yes. And it gets even more fuckery afoot because Monica would tell authorities and several news outlets that Max fell asleep on the sofa after taking 10 tablets of a generic Xanax. Now let me explain something to you people. If you've never taken Xanax, they usually prescribe it in like half a milligram and tell you to take half of a half a milligram or one milligram and tell you to take half of a one milligram. Because if you take a milligram or more of Xanax at a time, more than likely, your ass is going to pass out and have the best sleep of your life. Unless you're coach and you're an insomniac and you just look at the internet all night long. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's a lot of truth to that. <laughs> now, back to the fuckery. My therapist is like, have you tried putting the phone down? I'm like, have you tried shutting the fuck up? <laughs> like, I mean... <laughs> Have you tried eating your food through a straw? Yeah. 
this wasn't on Zoom meeting, buddy. I'd have something to say to you. <laughs> <laughs> now, Max had asked Monica to buy the entire stock of about eight to ten boxes of the Turkish equivalent to Xanax. Max explained to Monica why he needed to take ten tablets by saying that the Turkish equivalent has a different dosage. A British toxicologist stated that Max had a level of Xanax in his system at twice the therapeutic dose. Levels of oxycodone were also found in his body, which are generally considered fatal in an inexperienced user. So there's a whole theory about did she buy the Turkish equivalent to Xanax or did she buy the Turkish equivalent to oxycodone and he OD'd. But either way, it doesn't matter. Several hours would pass and she would go in to check on Max and notice that he had stopped breathing with some sort of black liquid all over her couch and her carpet. Now, Monica immediately called for the medical emergency help and by the time a doctor arrived, Max was dead. Several sites and Max's mother, Vanessa, have stated that Monica would not let the doctor leave, like kept him in the house against his will not let him leave. She kept insisting that the doc, the doc had to, quote, bring Max back to life, end quote. The doctor would wind up having to call authorities, and once they arrived, he saw an opportunity and got the hell out of Dodge. Now, Max's body stayed in Monica's apartment from the time this all goes down and she discovers him not breathing until 11 a.m. the next morning. Now, according to a British coroner, Caroline O'Donnell from Margate QEQM Hospital in Kent stated that Polish authorities refused to do a complete post-mortem examination. And in a version of, uh uh-uh, you did it, according to the Polish authorities, the body was handed over to British authorities before the Polish police could acquire the body for autopsies. Now, medics, however, ruled that Max died of natural causes and his mother was denied any official documents about this ruling as she did not have her dead son's written permission to read those documents. And yes, you heard me correctly. They told her she could not have the form because her dead son did not tell her to sign the papers. Hmm. That doesn't sound fishy at all. No, there's no fuckery afoot. Natural causes? Come on. I mean, what's going on there? I mean, whatever. He was what, 30? He was 32, I think. 34 at the most. Now, you don't, you don't die of natural causes at 30. And throw up black liquid. And that's mm-hmm. something that I wanted to talk about. People have tried to talk about what may have caused that from standpoint of just human anatomy. And they're saying that the black liquid that came out of Max could be an indicator that he had some internal bleeding somehow getting into his stomach. Now, some people note that the black liquid could even look like coffee grounds if the blood had been in his stomach for a good amount of time. But I'm thinking if that's the case, it would have you wouldn't have had like all of that 
go down at one time. Like, you know, he's got, he acts like he's messed up in the interview. Then he takes the Xanax and then he throws up black liquid. It would almost be like this would have had to have been like not the first time he threw up black liquid. Yeah. Now that is my feeble attempt trying to explain the X-Files episode where it shows the guy just throwing up that oily shit all over the place. Now, Max's mom, Vanessa, said, quote, all I have is a death certificate from the Polish authorities that it was from natural causes, but no postmortem was done, so how can they tell that? They are also refusing to release any paperwork about it to me because, absurdly, I don't have his written permission to view it, end quote. Now, Monica would state that Max had also complained that satanic groups were after him leading up to his death. I don't know why she stated that, but she did. She told the the Daily is it the Daily Mail or is it just the mail over there? The Daily Mail. The Daily. Okay. That's what she would tell the Daily Mail when they inquired. Now, in December of 2016, Coroner O'Donnell stated, quote, Mr. Spears became ill with a high temperature and was weak. The following day, Mr. Spears vomited two liters of black fluid. The friend called a doctor who attempted resuscitation before pronouncing him dead, end quote. When I think about throwing up some black liquid, any black liquid is too much in my book. You know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's not uh, not something you want to be doing. But two liters, two liters. That's a lot. And supposedly her couch and her carpet is still stained or was still stained. <laughs> Like you don't like you don't really understand how much a liter is. Like let's just take it back down to a pint. A pint of beer doesn't look like much until it's on the floor. Right. It's like son of a bitch. <laughs> and a two liter bottle of Coke, if you drop it at the wrong angle, even with the plastic caps, and it explodes, creates a humongous puddle. So two liters of a black liquid is a lot of a lot. A lot, a lot. Now, Max's mom would state that, quote, he was making a name for himself in the world of conspiracy theorists and had been invited to speak at a conference in Poland. He was staying with a woman who he had not known for very long, and she told me how she found him dead on the sofa. Max was a very fit man who was in good health, and yet he apparently just died suddenly on her sofa. All I have is a death certificate from the Polish authorities that it was from natural causes, but no postmortem was done. So how can they tell that? They are also refusing to release any paperwork about it. End quote. Now, Coroner Alan Bludson, nope, Blusden, told a British inquest court concerning Max's death that he was still awaiting a report from Polish authorities. He also hopes to secure funding, I'm sorry, funding to have Max's laptop and mobile phone forensically analyzed. Now, fellow conspiracy theorists, UFO, I'm sorry, UAP investigators and bloggers have claimed the circumstances of the death as suspicious. One website, Project Camelot, had a blogger that wrote, quote, the entire circumstances are suspicious and I urge everyone to encourage the release of details about what really happened and call for an autopsy, end quote. Another 
conspiracy theorist, Mr. Craig Hewlett, added, quote, if it wasn't true what he talks about, then why would they kill him? Healthy people don't just get sick and die. They get poisoned, end quote. Now, in October of 2016, Miles Johnson, who also researches UFOs, told BBC Radio 4 that Spears, quote, knew he was going to die after working to expose enemies within other realities. We have now got an unthinkable situation. Max has died for his country and the people of this planet. We're dealing with aliens. We're dealing with a predator within humanity, a fifth column which has been successful so far in causing us a great deal of damage and harm. People like Max were involved in exposing that fifth column. He knew he was going to die. He knew he was in a trap. He told his mother that, end quote. If you would like to hear that interview, all you have to do is type in Max Spears, BBC Radio 4, and there are snippets out there on the old interwebs. Now, Bates said that it's been a long time coming, but he is relieved that at least, I'm sorry, not Bates, uh, his mom, when they did the coroner's inquest, said that it had been a long time coming. And she's just relieved that at least something is happening and there's going to be a proper investigation. But... That's all I could find. I could not find the findings of the inquest. So while it appeared they were going to do the right thing, nothing ever came of it. So theories and unanswered questions is next, ladies and gents. And there are a plethora of theories circulating as to just what did happen to Max. And each theory probably has a shred of truth to it. On the surface, Max was a very unwell man at the time of that interview that died under mysterious circumstances. What we do know at one point he's going to be accused of like plagiarizing other conspiracy theorists. So it may have been a conspiracy theorist angry about that, which would be ironic as hell. Would it not? Yes. What we do know is that his laptop was wiped clean. Essentially, Max's life work was gone. Another oddity is that his phone's SIM card was removed and has never been found. His mother, Vanessa, suggests it would appear that, quote, someone didn't want people to see what he had, end quote. Another strange occurrence was Max had a, quote, dark mark visible on his forehead in the morgue photograph. This, mm, I don't know what you call those. I guess post-mortem photograph is in his mother's possession. She has not released it to the public from what I could find. The emergency notes from the hospital, which according to his mom are otherwise thorough, make no mention of him having this big old dark mark on his forehead. And it's very obvious, according to her. So that leads one to believe that maybe he was kerflunked up upon the headis and he had a concussion and that would induce vomiting, but it would not uh, give you the answer as to why such vomit was black. I've thrown up a whole bunch of times for various reasons and it's never been black. 
If it was ever black, I would go to the hospital immediately. I agree with you. I have, I'm the, like, I try to talk myself out of it until it's like, you know what, maybe we just need to get this over with. If it ever had a tinge to it that was not something that I ate, then yes, I'm going to the hospital. What is even more bizarre and chilling were comments made by his mother concerning activities she could clearly hear in the background while she spoke to Monica on the phone in the hours before Max passed away. It appeared that some kind of ritual was occurring in an effort to bring Max back to life. Or, someone stated, did his mom overhear the final part in a pre-planned death? So, in summary, Miles Johnson claims that Max's mother, Vanessa Bates, went to retrieve Max's body and it was so badly decomposed that this suggests that he died earlier than reported. His mother is also not certain that the body she was given is actually Max. Now, this is kind of odd, but they're saying that in July, the dead body was not actually Max, and Max may not even be dead. It was Max's sister who identified Max through a screen, not like normal identifications happen. Uh, he texted his mother days before his death on July 14th. Remember, and he said, your boy's in trouble. If anything happens to me, investigate. He also insisted that she not involve his ex-girlfriend, 31-year-old Sarah Adams. Now, his mother told KMTV about his time in Poland as these people seem to be involved in some very, very dark and dangerous areas of the world. And I was afraid that as he was gaining popularity and fame, that perhaps somebody would want him out of the way, i.e. not alive anymore. She also goes on to claim that she was not happy with Monica, the girl he was staying with. Monica would not allow the police or doctor who pronounced him dead to take Max's body when they came to her house. And I don't understand how that works. Maybe because it's in another country, but I don't think you can just like tell authorities and a doctor, no, you're not removing a dead body from my house. Maybe you can in Poland. I don't know. The policeman sent to get Max to the hospital was refused and sent away and has suffered an accident and could not be able to utter words for up to eight months. Nothing fishy there. Max's mother was sent a mysterious package shortly after his death, and that package contained a book on human sacrifice. Uh, his mom told the Daily Mail, quote, he was making a name for himself, and he was invited to speak at a conference in Poland in July. He and his girlfriend, Sarah, were still in contact. Max was upset and believed that Sarah was dating fellow conspiracy theorist Sean Stone. Yes, the same Stone, Oliver Stone's son. Really? Yeah. Now, Sarah claims the two agreed to get back together when Max left for Poland. Uh, she also claims that Max was held against his will. Quote, he was terrified. He wanted to leave. He rang secretly as they wouldn't let him talk. He said they were trying to get away, or he was trying to get away from them. 
Um, there's a theory out there that the reason Monica, the girl in Poland who, where he threw up the black stuff is that the reason she didn't want his body moved is because she knew someone that could come in and reanimate him. And he was not really dead. He was all fighting in another dimension. And that's a whole nother level of crazy, but I, it is what it is. So, uh, the UK autopsy on Max came back sharing no signs of drug in his system. 28 samples were taken. So if he died and the body, if he died, if he died on July 16th and the body was returned to the UK on July the 22nd, there's no way all of those drugs, even the Xanax, was out of his system. Now, some other conspiracy theorists have pointed out the timing of his death is significant in the fact that the days before Max spoke about being in a secret location and accidentally revealed that he was in Cyprus, Turkey. He traveled there from Poland with Monica for a few days. Right after the interview where he lets this slip, there is an attempted Turkish coup that took place the day before he died. And the coup was to overthrow the government of President Recep Tayyip Ardogan. So, going back to Project Mannequin, was he a Manchurian candidate? And he had something to do with that. There is, I'm telling y'all, this could be its own standalone podcast and we could have 25 episodes. There's so many different things that just spider web off of Max's death. Unfortunately, I don't think we will ever know what truly happened to him. My personal opinion is he was poisoned. I think so. I think he was definitely poisoned. And I'm going with the, since he was being accused of stealing other conspiracy, conspiracy theorists theories in their research, I think maybe it was a conspiracy by a conspiracy theorist. I'm just saying. I, yeah. If it was in Florida, I would believe it. <laughs> what? Just Florida, you know, Florida I mean, man. That, no, I'm, I'm, I agree sense. with you, but I think that is a good <laughs> angle because if he was on this speaking tour and he had been stating that all of this stuff happened to him under Project Mannequin and there was someone else out there saying that this stuff was going down, and then he kind of embellished it. I could see someone like he was starting to gain a lot of fame when the, when he passed away. Cause I remember it being a huge deal when he passed. I mean, there for a while, it was all over, um, the Google and the Facebook, but it's, I don't know, man. It's, it's an odd one to say the least, but when you get down to it, I think he probably trusted that lady Monica a, an awful lot and went to Poland. She talked him into going to God knows where. And then I think he was just, I think he was slowly poisoned because that would explain him just babbling and acting sick or drunk on that radio interview. 
Agreed. But you never know. He, she might be friends with the conspiracy theorist that he, he jaded, and they were working in cahoots. Was working in the cahoots together. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is the feeble attempt at us trying not to lose you in the weeds of the Max Spears case. So let us know what you think. If you are well-versed in this case, yes, we left out a lot of stuff that just does not tie directly back to Max. It was painful enough to go over all the Project Mannequin stuff, and I just felt like that if we went over everything that he touched on in some of his talks, you would lose sight of the actual reason we did the story. So, but again, there's a lot of things out there that you can research on your own. Project Montauk is crazy in itself. If you've not ever heard about that, uh, I think there's a doc. Is it that documentary? Documer, documentary. Is it called? There's a BBC documentary. Yeah. Is it not on him? Was there one that um, about Project Montauk? Was that called Necropsy? I think that's what it's called, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know that one. I don't know that one. But anyway. All right, Slappy, you got anything to recommend to the great people in podcast land? I'm going to recommend the three-part documentary, Paradise Lost. My girlfriend recently didn't know about the case, so we sat there and watched all seven hours of it in a row. And, man, it's so good. so crazy. About the West Memphis Three, it's on Max, formerly HBO Max, but you can get all three parts right in a row. So you're talking about all of them, like Paradise Lost one, two, and three. One, two, and three. Yeah, Dang, it's like watching the like all nine Star Wars at one time. I kept telling her, I was like, "Man, just well, just wait. It's gonna get crazy. Just wait. It's gonna get crazy. Like you're not gonna see like." And she had a range of emotions. She's like, oh, they did it. Okay, maybe they didn't. Okay, that guy did it. And like, okay, maybe he didn't. But that guy really did it. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, we had to wait years between these. Like, one was one and two were five years apart, and then two and three were seven years apart. Yes. And wasn't mm-hmm. it the guy that one of the directors or one of the producers – was one of the ones that did the documentary to get old nasty butt that had skipped the town that killed that girl. Old bastard. What was his name? Ah, I no idea. Not, I can see his feeble old ass sitting in court. I cannot ever think his name. I want to say he was like some kind of makeup artist, like makeup brand, uh, air. Whatever. Um, People are probably out there yelling right now. It's so-and-so. But anyway. Well, let us know because, damn, (laughs) I have no idea. Uh, I am going to recommend, and this is totally off subject, if you grew up in the 90s or the late 80s and you love Top Gun, watch Top Gun 2. I didn't think you could get that. I saw it in the theater. Oh, use one name. It's not better. It's not better, but man, it's nostalgia. Now that's what I'm saying. Like they're not. They didn't try to outdo each other. They. I thought they did a very good job of telling another story several years down the road. 
It was very good. I thought it would be kind of cheesy, hokey, you know, just, but no, it was very, very good. I really, really enjoyed it. I mean, yeah, it was good. <laughs> it was good. I liked it. I think people's opinion of it would be different if they never saw the first one. Like, you, you know, kids today, you know, kids today, not seeing the first one. I don't know. I don't know what their opinion of it would be. But you see the first one, you grew up with the first one, you're going to like the second one for sure. Yes. And it's long, man. It takes forever for them to lay the groundwork. But it is yep. it is very, very good. I did enjoy it. I enjoyed it a lot. So, anyway, with all that said, Coach, do you have anything else? You know I don't. Uh, deuces. <laughs> <laughs>